This is CliffCentral.com. Future CEOs on CliffCentral.com. Welcome to Future CEOs here on Cliff Central. My name is Gareth Armstrong. It is good to be with you, Kluby. You're looking fantastic in red. In my, it's the future CEO color. It's the future CEO it's color. It's the vision brand. It's, it's the brand of fire. <laughs> Absolutely. Fire and, and making things happen, isn't Relentless. it? Relentless. R- Relentlessness. I, I really like that. So if this is the first time you are listening to future CEOs, what do we do here in studio? We are trying to close the gap between those who are, are making it, doing really, really well, and uh, many of you who are sitting in uh, uh, either sometimes a garage because some of the biggest businesses in the world were Amen started in garages or maybe you're sitting in an office somewhere and you either want to fast track your career or grow your business we try and bring people in the studio who you see from a distance often you don't quite get the story because there, there's a lot to it but you think these guys are doing really well we bring them in the studio we talk to them we, we, we try and unpack their lives dig a little deeper we've got a, a bit of a superstar here in, sure. in the studio uh, my, my question to a you shiro. is how in the world did you get so many degrees it doesn't seem possible can you tell with the glasses I'm a nerd and I like oh, to read yeah. <laughs> black girl geeks you know yes. nerds rule the world I've been saying it since high school I knew my time would come <laughs> please introduce yourself to future CEOs Good day everybody I'm Vumile Msweli affectionately known as Vumi I'm the CEO of Hesed Consulting and as Gareth asked how did you manage so many qualifications? I won't even start to name them, but you can just give us a brief overview of what education means to you and what it is to you as the CEO of of leadership and mentorship and finance and all the good stuff that black entrepreneurs, especially females, need in 2018. Um, education is to me the key. I think um, growing up in Chesterville in a small township, the one way out was education. So I every opportunity I got from from high school all the way to when I'm studying now, I knew that education would fundamentally change my chances. And I love education because it's the great equalizer. Amen to that. So Bachelor of Commerce, Pretoria, Bachelor of Finance, Honours, University of Johannesburg, Gibbs, South Africa, New York University. Carry on, Gareth, carry on. Well, well, (laughs) I I just want to draw us away from that to the Mail and Guardian newspaper 2016. uh, One of the young South Africans under the age of... Top 200 most influential young South Africans under the age of 35. Al Magazine uh, <laughs> selected you as the Al Boss of the Year in wow. the corporate category. Doctorate of Applied Leadership, Switzerland. Girl. Hold on, there's more. The Gauteng <laughs> Premier Honored <laughs> Vumi here with the award for excellence in a contribution in women empowerment and leadership in business in South Africa. Do we have the right person in the studio? <laughs> Thank you for being here with us. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's let's get this conversation on the road. And where, where we have to start is going backwards. Mm. Let's go back to when you were young, younger. Mm. Uh, just tell us a little bit about where you grew up, how you grew up. Um, what what brought you to become who you are today? I grew up in Chesterville in um, KZN, uh, smallest township in the Southern Hemisphere, actually, funny oh, enough. Really? One main road. I didn't even see robots in a township till I moved to Johannesburg. Mm. Um, grew up in a single family. Uh, my mom's a single parent. Lived with my grandparents. Very, very small, close-knit family. Uh, from there, went to primary school like everybody else. And I remember in primary school, I had um, seen St. Mary's in the newspaper and Standard Six. And I said, I want to go to that school so badly. Why? Um, because I said it was a, one of the top schools to go to in the country. Okay. And I kind Where of thought. Um, de- uh, DSG. Yes, Mary's yes. DSG. Yes. 
<laughs> and I, I, I phoned them. I, back then we still had ticket boxes. I, I used a ticket box and I phoned them. Mm. And they, I said, what do I need to do to get into your school? And I think the lady on the other line was quite acute in realizing where I'm from. Mm. And she said, Vimini, you're going to need to get a scholarship. Mm. These are the grades you can have to get. And I spent two years working very hard to get those grades. Mm. Um, and finally seeing myself on, on that, on that platform of being at St. Mary's, which was a dream come true. And I think it was the first time I started realizing whatever I put my mind to, commit to, work towards, um, can be accomplished. What, what was the bigger picture behind all of this, though? So we often do do things in between that which serve a bigger picture. Was there a bigger picture in your mind? What, what, why just, DSGs? I mean, um, what was what was the inner thing that was driving you? I think one was opportunity. The second was because Chesterfield is right next to Westville, which is a suburb. Often there would be no electricity in Chesterfield, and you'd look over at Westville, and there'd always be electricity. Mm. So it was a very simple thing is I want to be in a place where there's always electricity. Mm. So it seemed like a very basic need, but that drove what that, what St. Mary's represented was a space where there'd always be electricity. Mm. It's very, it's often very, uh, these small things. Libby? I think as a black female entrepreneur, you're just the light bulb for most of us because sometimes it's easy come, easy go. Mm. Sometimes we're really not sure about the business skills that we need. Give us some tools as Black female entrepreneurs Just three tips In our journey of Staying power and longevity And whatever sphere Or sector that we are in in Our entrepreneurial journey that you've learned Along Mm. the way Um, So specifically speaking as a black female The one thing for me has been authenticity Arriving as myself Is what has given my company the edge The reason has said personal coaching exists Is because I I Offer services to women who were just like me several years ago. And there was no one helping you pioneer your way in, in, in corporate and in, in the entrepreneurship. And you left corporate, is it? Yes, I did. I did. Actually, after how many years in corporate? Um, 10 years. Mm. 10, 11 years. Um, and I started my company whilst I was in corporate. And then I finally left to focus full time on his head. So for me, it is being your most authentic self because that's what differentiates you from everybody else in your leadership and the culture of my company in the services and the way in which I engage with clients because I'm actually servicing people who are very similar to me. What's interesting about the, this idea of authenticity though is it's a, it's a word that's used a lot and mm-hmm. sometimes people will even use it now to brand a particular part of who we are mm. instead of this whole person that we actually are. So uh, someone says, I'm bringing my authentic self to the table. Uh, that authentic self then happens to also be wearing a tie and a really expensive suit. Mm. But that's not really the authentic self. That, so please just expand on what authentic means to you. For me, being authentic is bringing the sum of all my experiences. Mm. So bringing like the fact that I'm from Guazul. Mm. Um, bringing the fact that um, I come from a family who had never really heard me Like the other day I was laughing with my grandmother It was her first time hearing me in a while speaking English On the radio and she didn't re- recognize my voice Because mm. she'd never really heard me speak English mm. We always engage in Izzul mm. That's who I am mm. um, It's bringing the the um, I love to travel up into almost 50 countries It's bringing those experiences Into every engagement with every human being That's being authentic It's when you meet me as a vumile It's exactly the same vumile you're going to meet If I'm in KZN The language and medium of of discussion might be different But I'm still who I am That for me is authenticity I'm interested in some of the the other authentic parts of you So we were speaking about you then going to DSG Talk us then through some of this other stuff that happened You got into a corporate environment But between that point and school What was going on? 
Um, so, so left DSG went to the Universiteit van Pretoria. Okay. Um, culture shock. Culture <laughs> shock. Yeah. So remember in Durban, not a lot of people speak Afrikaans. Yeah. Sure. And I hadn't done Afrikaans at school. And um, I, I remember the first day of uh, university, they're like, SDRs, it's for And I'm like, oh my goodness, what just happened? Um, and I was like, I'm going to have to work very hard to become a hawker just so I can be like, first year's in Khaz, in Khaz to, you know, to, to represent. Mm. Uh, so, so, so that was University of Pretoria. I, I loved university. I completely loved it. I fell in love with the jacaranda cheese. I wrote for the Berde Bay, which is what was our university paper. I was in the SRC. I just You're got very involved. 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 Yes. Very involved. I'm very, very involved. Love I, I love experiences. And I think mm. it probably comes from, you know, being the only child syndrome. That when you get to play with other people, you really want to play. Mm. Um, so, so that was the experience at, at Pretoria. And then I, I had gotten, um, I'd gotten to study, uh, become accounting sciences and I thought I was going to be a CA. But you can tell Miss Personality. Hmm. Too much. <laughs> <laughs> that it actually wasn't for me. So I failed my honors twice in, oh, um, in, um, in accounting. And I, like I say, failures feedback. And I quickly realized that this wasn't for me. So I had to regroup, um, get over the, the ego blasting experience of mm. having failed mm. and say, okay, where, where to from here, Vumid? And I decided to do my honors in financial planning. So I went, I, I went that route. And then I found myself obviously in, in the corporate space, just like, um, a lot of us when we finished, we, I started, um, you know, part timing. And then I finally got a permanent job at Investec working at the call center, mm-hmm. which was so much fun. Like I couldn't get over the fact that I was getting paid for this. But, but hold on. I want to just jump in here. So you've got a degree, you've got an honors degree. Uh, then, then they call you into a call center. They give you an opportunity in a call center. What does your ego do at that point? Everybody at Investec has a degree in the okay. call center, so it was an honor at that point. Okay, <laughs> okay, no, very nice, yeah. very nice insight. No, I didn't know that. Did you? Know that? Nope. Yeah. So if you work at, um, I nope. don't know, I don't know what the requirements are, but if you work at the contact center at Investec, if you call, I think it used to be um, during working hours, you're talking to someone with a degree. If it was after hours, you'd be talking with someone doing their degree, so they'd mm. give opportunities to people who are still in school. Um, but everyone in Investec has a degree. So you didn't arrive thinking you're less than that you mm. work at the call center, mm. which mm. I think actually might have worked for my benefit. Of course it did. Tell us a bit of your hard lessons learned, whether at Hesed or at University of Pretoria, mm. but in your entrepreneurial space, mm. what knocked you down on your back? Yeah. But you learned a great lesson out of being an entrepreneur and it means where you are at at this present time. I think the one that's been the most challenging for me has been not the financing piece. And I know they talk a lot about, oh, funding, funding is a problem. Mm. To me, it's, I'm busy with a franchising um, endeavor right now. The fact that I could not get anyone to fund me and I had to make a choice. Um, would what I steps did you go through before? I mean, obviously we've spoken about on future CEOs, mm. you know, the various mediums of gaining and, and finding, finding or capital. Which routes did you go? When you I went traditional, um, traditional going to the banks. Yeah. I reached out to various, um, um, government agencies like the NYDA, NEF, the, those, and I started to have the conversations to see how I could be funded. And it, nothing was lucrative enough for me to say this is enough. Mm. Um, so I made the call cause I'd, I started my first, my first, inve- my first, um, in property. Entre- no, yeah, in property at 22. Mm. So I had to make the call. Am I going to sell one of my properties and invest in myself? Um, which, which in itself is an interesting call cause you have this dream and you're like, the world is supposed to come and support this now, mm. but actually you have to support yourself. Um, so that for me was a, was a, it really helped, 
push me in how I think about my business because all of a sudden it's not just a dream and my brand, it's my money. It's everyone else is saying, mm, we're not sure. So now I've got to make it work even if it kills me. So that was one. That, that, I mean, it sounds like that could have been a series that, that we can put into the bag, which is this funding potential pitfall, this mm. potential hazard that you, you could have fallen into. That's one. Two or three more? The second has been getting the right team for me. Um, I think I underestimated um, in, 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 in collating a team that, oh, we have natural chemistry, which means naturally you will do what's best for, for my company and mm. working with and for me. Um, that wasn't the case. It's mm, a good point. Um, so having one now, the, everyone who's on my team, personality, yes, is a good thing. So you understand the culture of what I'm trying to build it has said. Second is do you believe in the vision? Because if you don't believe in what I'm doing, if you don't share why has said exists, which is what we believe in, that to change the continent, it's um, it's education, it's entrepreneurship, and it's women empowerment. And if you don't fundamentally believe that in those three pillars, then you're not the right culture fit, and you're not gonna work well in the space in which we conduct business. Is there a story behind this though? Is there a story that, that where you you hit your head a few times, and can you share it with us? Yes, um, obviously I want any names. <laughs> I did uh, name I, and shame, girl. name <laughs> and shame. <laughs> um, I, I I started onboarding uh, people, thinking they're going to be uh, actually two two particular ladies, think they'll be the perfect fit, they'll be supporting, etc. But it was actually more detrimental to my brand mm. because in my presence. The the client experience is fantastic. The moment I walk away, Correct. you're you're doing a half-hearted job, mm. which for me is does not speak of excellence. And I'm a big believer of African excellence that you have to be doing the job as if you would be doing it if you realize tomorrow you're in competition with another person. Mm. So as if the whole world was watching, that's excellent. So for you to behave in one manner when I'm in the room and in another manner when I'm not is not excellent. So your values aren't aligned to mine. Yeah, there's an integrity gap there. Huh? There, there is. And I, I find stuff like even with um, my, my, my creative design team at BB Digital, even up until yesterday, we like it's 11 o'clock at night, because they believe in the vision so much, they're willing to work at 11 till 12 o'clock at night to make sure everything's done to the, to the level of excellence. So for me, I'm like, this can be part of my team. These guys get the vision. Mm. I mean, in the realm of your uh, women's empowerment, I think nurturing is something that comes naturally to women. But I mm. think sometimes it's the most lacking part of people leading other people. Do you believe in nurturing confidence and taking risks and endorsing the fact that it's okay to fail? Because mm. we all know that we're scared to fail, but you've learned the mm. beauty and the power and the strength that comes from failure. Yeah, I um I think that's part of that's part of the human experience, right? To be nurtured. Because as a child, your mom made you fell a couple of times and she picked you back up. And I think we need to be able to create the same sort of space, especially in our country. I think Israel's doing very, very well. When entrepreneurs when they fail, Israel's like, That's not a problem, that's fantastic. Now you know what not to do. And that's that's what failure really is all about. I think it's it's critical in the woman empowerment space. We talk a big game, right? We're like, Oh, woman empowerment. But for me it's sisterhood, blah blah blah. It blah, really blah. is. Yeah. It's 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 simple things of even when I had to go to the dentist, I was like, sorry, do you have, do you have a woman dentist? Mm. And she said, sorry, excuse me. I'm like, do you have a female dentist? And they didn't have to look elsewhere. Um, 
it, it's it's asking us those ourselves those questions and doing it in a practical manner. That's the do, how the doers. Yes, to, to to actually be doers. And the second thing for me is wherever you go, wherever door you open, you have to leave the back door open for those coming behind you. That's really woman empowerment. It's it's saying, oh, okay, this is the service you're offering me. It's not up to scratch, but let me coach you to that next level with with our suppliers. That's that's what we do. We work in even with a with the team who works with us in the, in the coaching space. That's what we do. We it's a bit work. I'm like this is fantastic guys. I don't like this. So we have offline sessions, coaching each other offline. So I know that they will do an excellent job going forward. How are you finding it being a black entrepreneur working in the financial sector? Rough, tough. Um, not necessarily because I'm finding that a majority of my financial um, clients, my financial coaching clients tend to be black females. Okay. So I'm speaking the same language as them. Okay. Um, and Are I th- they wanting to get into the space of the financial sector? Or wh- wh- what does their draw card to you? So, Are so, you preparing them for that? So from a consulting, advice? yeah, so from yeah. a consulting perspective, it's for me, I've got no idea about my finances. Let's, let's put a, let's put an operational strategy in place to, 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 to get this right. From a personal, personal perspective, it's, um, it's personal coaching where people will come and say, my finances are a mess. You're a certified financial planner. Vumi, help me. Oh, is it? Um, or okay. it's a life coaching. Mm, my finances are a, reflect, a, a reflection, reflection of where my life currently Correct. is. You know what I really appreciate okay. about what I'm hearing you say is that there's a, a certain um, uh, market segmentation that we must do when we start our own businesses. We must understand who our clients really, really are, who we can relate to the best mm-hmm. Um, and we must we must go after them specifically. So uh, I, I can imagine I don't know, um, but in your in your design um, of your marketing of your any kind of sales approach, there is a very very specific audience you're looking for. Is that accurate or not? That's very very accurate. I'm not limiting to say who who my who my client base is. Sure, but I think it. Not. I think often we find that it we, it, re, it resonates when you. When you're engaging with someone who gets the context from which you come, mm-hmm. um, so I think if you are to, if you never knew me from a bar of soap and you picked up my social media, you'll see I'm always talking Pan African. I'm always talking mm-hmm. woman empowerment, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's those it's it's you wanting to have the discussion when you're coaching someone who's trying to get to the executive level of, woman, I'm worried. Should I wear a weave or should I just keep my hair short? Mm-hmm. And if I discussed that with a man, he wouldn't necessarily understand what the problem is. Yeah. But as a woman, that resonates immediately uh, with me. And I, I think what I'm trying to get to for all of our listeners is the fact that what we mustn't do is we mustn't try and solve everyone's problems. Yes. Yeah. What, we must, what we must really be able to do is solve a thousand people's problems, mm. charge enough, and you're going to get one heck of a lot of money. I mean, a thousand mm. times a thousand is a lot of money. Mm. You're the finance person. Could you do the math minus tax? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of money right there. Mm. If you just focus on a thousand people and solve those people's problems. As in, you can't be everything to everyone, guys. You can't be everything to anyone, but then also hone in. I mean, really, really understand what the... Key, key objectives. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, I think it allows you... That's a very, very valid point. I think mm. honing in and okay. creating a niche for yourself allows you to become a master. Correct. You cannot be the jack of all trades and be an expert. But at the same time Exactly Books We're lovers of books What are you reading? What do you suggest we read? What have the business What have the business um, Typical uh, books Not taught you? Okay So I've just finished uh, Reading Simon Sinchek's uh, uh, Great Leaders Eat Last 
great La- great leaders yeah eat last eat last love that Sammy yes. Sinchek um, yeah. you know this very a very famous TED Talk speaker I'm mm-hmm. obsessed with TED Talk oh, you're obsessed with I'm that. obsessed with TED Talks listen to one every day um, that's what I'm reading I'm also yeah. so I've recently finished that I'm about a quarter of the way through with Full Night Full Night um, this this um, what is it Dog Shoe let me just check um, Full, Full Night is the the gentleman who started Nike Mm. Okay. So, um, okay. That's power. Yeah. So I'll have to check on my Kindle now. Which one? What's the name of this book? It's uh, a big red tick. My other question uh, leading on is that what don't these books tell us about the real life of being a businesswoman and entrepreneur? They don't, they're very few books that give you the African context. Um, things are fundamentally different. Um, Full Knight is talking about back in the 60s when he started, he could get on a plane and go to Japan. Mm. When am I going to get on a plane and go to Japan mm. To explore this So the access piece on the African content Isn't discussed as well We have a few fantastic entrepreneurs Who've, who've, carved, who've carved the way You know, the likes of Fularusha, Dangote All those guys But we, there aren't as many books I know um, I mean, when we, when we research or read You know, the big five come up You know, I would mm. just I find I just want to dig a little bit deeper And just find some really outstanding black entrepreneurs Who have set a pathway mm. for us to follow In a book And yeah. I, I struggle So if mm. anybody out there knows of these kind of books Please go yeah. to I want us to then go to some of the African challenges and let's talk about some of them and how you've overcome some of the some of these we've we touched on funding funding is always uh, something that is brought up but often is an excuse mm. and it's often used as an excuse because like the banks did with you there was a maybe not a, a, a well-defined business plan, mm. but you knew it was going to work, but they didn't see it that way. Well, they were willing to give me 50%. Okay. And for me, that wasn't enough. And even then, it would be a case of, okay, for me, but then we're going to give you collateral. So you're going to charge me an arm and a leg mm. in an interest space. You're still going to have a hold over the property mm-hmm. that I could just sell and, and I'd have no interest. Mm. So for me, it wasn't the right model for me personally. Sure. So I'm not saying that it, it, it's not a good it's not a, it's not a, it's not a way of starting out. I'm very fortunate in that I had been in business for a while and I, and I had, I'd created and, and established a few assets, um, that were unencumbered that belonged to myself and the business. I guess to the point of funding, how did you do that though? How did you establish the assets that allowed you to use them as collateral or leverage mm. into more funding? I went into corporate with a clear idea that corporate is a capital gathering exercise. Okay, very good. Mm. I was going in there to, to buy my freedom. Not to buy a fancy car and, no. uh, a really nice watch and a super no. suit that Costs no. more than rent for five months. Yeah, no, so okay. I, I, I used to live in a granny cottage on Conrad Drive in Blagari when some of my friends were living in beautiful places in, mm. in, in suburbs. And the reason I did that is I was, I was collating cash. I was acquiring. Mm. Mm. I made sure that everything um, from my space was always cash. So I was liquid and making sure my credit record was fantastic so that when I walked into into the, into the banking space as uh, working there, I could leverage that as well. That, oh, I'm, I work at a bank, so automatically my interest rates are substantially lower. Leverage that to acquire my first investment property. And then and then and, and, def- and did so going forward. Mark Wahlberg, accident a movie called The Gambler 
And in that movie, he's advised by someone to to get into a position, and he calls it the. And I'm not going to swear on air. Um, I don't swear off air, do I, Louis? Anyway, it's got the fu position. Yes. And so what you can do is you can lift the middle finger to anyone that tries to tell you what to do. Why? Mm. Because you've attained a, a, this fu position, mm. uh, which is, I think, what I hear you saying. You went mm. in there to attain a particular position, which was a freedom position. Yes. We we'll call it the freedom. freedom. We can call it the freedom position. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which it wasn't in the movie, but watch the movie; it's really good. Um, and uh, okay, so that uh, thank you, thank you. That's a key, that was a key, key insight that uh, that we were able to drag out of you there, Louis. Mentorship. Who are your mentors and why? I have different mentors in different spheres of my life. Yeah. Um, I I find the mentorship thing very strange when you walk up to a complete stranger and you say, "Please mentor Tell me." <laughs> Because you don't know what skill set you're trying to acquire from me. You don't know me well enough yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find organic mentorship works very, very well. Mm-hmm. And in that, for my, for myself, like, for so example, Mambuyu is one of my mentors because Mambuyu has been able to create a space where she, she's a mother, she's a wife, and she's also been an, uh, she is an executive. And the way she manages her life, that fluidity is beautiful to I me. I was just talking to my, our, pro- our project manager about, you know, that is, the beauty and the pain of being a woman in business. You've mm. got the family, you've got the husband, you've got the mother role, you know, you've got all these juggling balls mm. going at once and yet you want to excel at all of them, but we can't at one time. Mm. So w- give us a bit of uh, um, positive gems of how we can handle it all as being women in the business. I'll be honest with you. For me, nobody has the right answer. Nobody, no, this nobody, work, work-life balance is, is, is no a fallacy. Such, there's no such thing. It is a fallacy. I believe in work-life balance fluidity. So um, I will, and I was talking to a friend of mine just about this. We, she'll go to gym in the morning. We'll have coffee at, and tea at ten o'clock, and then I've got meetings and I'm working till twelve. It, it, it's constantly fluid and moving. You can't restrict it. It, it doesn't work. Doesn't Agility. You just, you just you you it breaks your own heart. That, oh, I'm not, now I'm, I'm dropping a ball. The moment you accept that it doesn't exist, you can just carry on with your life. You were saying before I, I inter- interrupted. I forgot what, what were we talking about? Well, on that note, uh, let me jump in um, because <gasps> we're actually running out of time. Oh, out of time. I told you. I mean, we're just getting warm. So you've, you, you've painted a, a rosy picture here. It, it seems. I mean, you've done no, oh. but you, you've done so well, and and we applaud you for that. We absolutely do. Go back in time and speak to the young future CEO, twenty-year-old mm. you, mm. Uh, and tell her how she's going. Tell her, give her some advice on how to get over some of the the more difficult parts that we haven't been able to get to in this half hour. What do you say to that person in in one sentence? Vumile, you are enough. Vumile. Everything will pass, and failure is not a reflection of your worth. Mm. Thank you very much for me, though. We are so grateful to have had you in studio with us. Um, we're going to be closing this conversation there. We'll be back after the break when we are talking to a, a mountaineer. I call, him, yeah, yeah, I call him the Richard Branson of South Africa. Richard Branson of South Africa. <laughs> He's shaking his head. Eric, no, the class no pressure. The- <laughs> right, we'll be back after the break. We'll see you right after. This is cliffcentral.com.